16. Matthew chapter 16. And I have a problem. Oh, what a difference. (laughs) Matthew chapter 16, commencing to read from verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? It's an unusual expression, isn't it? Son of Man. Hmm. It's obviously a title, as is Son of God, Son of Heaven, Son of Abraham, Son of David. They are all titles that are applied to Jesus. And we'll talk in a minute about the importance of these titles. Who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, not the pebble, Peter, but the rock of his confession, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. May God give us understanding of his word. During this month of May, we have been focusing on the importance of the call of God to share our faith and love for God with anyone and everyone who does not yet know him. Let me ask you a serious question. Does anyone here actually know someone who does not believe in God? Oh, 
quite a few of us. Mm. So, this month has been hopefully challenging you about sharing your faith with those people. As part of the sharing of, of our faith and love for the Lord, we seek to invite people to join with our church family, to learn of him, and to experience what it means to know him and worship him. Of course, the word church can often be a turn-off to many people, especially to those who see it as an hierarchical institution or like a business that's more concerned with money and property than it is with care and love of people. And it's sad that people think that that's what the church is all about. Just property, buildings and money. In reality, the word church comes, comes from the word um, the Anglo-Germanic word Kirk. And for those from a um, a Scottish background, they have the word kirk, which simply means church. It's from the Anglo-Germanic. And it's often also translated from the ancient Greek, the word ecclesia, which simply means the gathering. So the word kirk and the word ecclesia both mean the gathering. It's actually got nothing to do with buildings. Nothing at all. And as such, we need to be very clear that the true church of God is not a building or an institution, but the gathering of God's people as they submit to his authority in their lives, as they worship him and show their love and concern and care for one another. And having said this, we do not build God's church. We do not build the church. It does not stand or fall because of the witness or the efforts of you or me. The Lord made it very, very clear to Peter and his disciples that it is the Lord himself who will build his church. Not you, not me. It is the Lord who will build his church. And as such, the true church of God will not be made of stone or bricks nor founded on rituals, traditions or legalism, but on all that God himself has revealed to us in both word and action. The Lord will build his church on the basis of his revealed word of scripture. Likewise, if the church is established by the Lord, it will also be sustained, strengthened, and encouraged by his Holy Spirit, who abides within each individual within the church, within the gathering. It is the Holy Spirit in our midst 
that sustains the church. When the Lord said that he would build his church, he also declared a partnership with Peter and a partnership hence with you and me. In verse 18, the Lord Jesus said that he would build his church based on Peter's confession that the Lord Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, and that the full authority of the living God is vested in him. That, and this really is the whole meaning of the Jewish understanding of sonship. When people call Jesus the Son of God, they're not talking about him being a demigod like Zeus and the, the, the um, Greek and Roman pantheon. That's got nothing to do with the Aramaic or the Hebrew background of the understanding of sonship. When Jesus was called the Son of David, it was a way that the Jewish people were saying that the full authority of King David as the king of Israel, the anointed king of Israel, was vested in Jesus. When Jesus was called the son of Abraham, it was saying that he wasn't just a genetic throwdown from Abraham, but that the full authority and promises that God had made to Abraham were now invested in the Lord Jesus. And when we use the title Son of God, it is a Jewish background title saying that the full authority of God is invested in Jesus. In this way, Jesus said, if you have seen the Father, or if you have seen me, you have seen the Father who sent me. For the Father and I are one. Sonship in the Jewish contexts means full divine authority. And it is this confession of faith in the Lord Jesus that remains even today at the heart of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus and a member of his church. As the disciples of the Lord, we have been called upon to continue this proclamation that Jesus is the promised Messiah and so introduce others to him and come to love him as we do. It's not an optional extra of the Christian life to be a true disciple of Jesus means that we have not only the authority but the responsibility to tell others about who he really is. We only need to read the Lord's commands in passages like Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore... And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not a request. As disciples of the Lord Jesus, we have a command to engage in Christian mission. Mark chapter 13, verse 10. And the gospel, Jesus said, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Not just Australia, to all the nations. And even those with whom we do not have a political affinity, we nevertheless have a command to preach the message of Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16. Go into all the world. Preach the good news of Jesus. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Luke 24, verse 47. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, who were hated by the Jews, and to the ends of the earth. And Acts chapter 13, verse 47. Luke wrote, The Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. How can we dare say, I am a follower of Jesus and ignore these six commands of Scripture? To ignore them is to make mockery of the command of God. The true church can be in no doubt that an essential part of our life and faith walk with the Lord Jesus involves our witness and sharing him with others. And we cannot escape that reality. When the Lord said that he would build his church, he meant us to be the building blocks cemented together by the truth of God's word. We are merely the building blocks for God to put together to build his church. And I've just put that there as a little illustration. And you want to know something about that? Look at it. What do you notice about this? It's mobile. The church is not meant to be static. It's meant to be mobile for the Lord. As such, the Lord is building his church and we are part of his handiwork. Together, united as one, we become 
the visible presence of what the Lord is wanting to do in the world today. Where the visible presence, he wants us to be seen and not just hide away in four walls. At any given point in time and in every day all over the world, fellow believers are gathered in worship, in prayer, in Bible study and holy service for the Lord because they have heard and responded to the call of the Lord to be part of his church. We can never say, as the prophet Elijah said in 1 Kings 19, that we are the only ones left because we're not. God has his people planted all, all over the world. In some cases, they are groups of maybe three, four, five people. In other places, they are groups of tens of thousands. And everyone needs encouragement. In so many places in the world today, believers are gathering together in seclusion and secrecy, but they are also part of the ecclesia, the gathered church, as much as you and I are here in this place. They are our brothers, they are our sisters in the Lord Jesus. They are precious to us because they are part of God's family. Brothers and sisters, we have a duty of care to those who seek to worship and love the Lord in spirit and truth. We have a duty of care. And part of our mission target this month is to exercise that duty of care to our brothers and sisters in Pakistan to our brothers and sisters in South Sudan to our brothers and sisters in Indonesia and in many other places of the world as we become aware of their need we have a duty of care to uphold them in prayer and where possible to support and encourage them in practical ways such as clean water, food, clothing, housing, education, uh, skill development, such that they may be able to secure a regular income for themselves and their families. We have a duty of care, where possible, to give of our time, our talents, our energies, to visit them, to offer encouragement, teaching and other supports. In fact, in all that we do and say, the profession and confession on our lips should always be to affirm, as Peter declared, that the Lord Jesus is the Messiah, the one in whom the fullness of the authority of God dwells. In verses 24 and 25, the Lord Jesus went on to declare these words. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Mike's sake will find it. In these words, the Lord Jesus outlined the basis for discipleship. To follow the Lord Jesus, to be his disciple, is not like following your favorite football team. We're not asked to merely pay an annual fee and shout from the sidelines. When we become disciples of the Lord Jesus, we seek to have all of our life influenced and transformed by his Holy Spirit. Not just for a Sunday. Christian discipleship is not like a coat that you put on and only wear on a Sunday to church. It's Monday to Sunday, 24-7. It means seeking to have our life aligned with his life, of having our principles and our values aligned with his principles and values, of having our direction and hope aligned with his direction and hope for our future. That's what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. And as the Lord's disciples, we're not being called upon to be spectators of what his church is doing throughout the world, but active participants. Active. We are called upon to go out into the world and make a difference for him. And it's only when we are prepared to lay aside our own worldly ambitions and offer ourselves in the Lord's holy service that he is then able to use us for his holy and noble purposes. You know, in my library at home, I have a number of books written about men and women who gave up all worldly ambition to serve the Lord in some of the most disadvantaged places in the world. They gave their lives to make a difference for God. And in their sacrifice, the lives of so many were transformed for the better. Their stories both challenged and encouraged me and then when I had the privilege to travel to some of these places, I have seen firsthand the impact of generations of God's faithful workers. When Cheryl and I were in China, and I know I've told some of you this story before, one day we were walking down the street with a Chinese couple who were our friends from the university. As we walked, a lady riding a bike saw us and crossed the street. She stopped in front of us and began to question us, and our friends did the translation. The woman asked us what we were doing in China. We told her we were teaching at one of the universities. She asked us if we were followers of the Lord Jesus. And we told her that we were. 
At this she began to cry and told us she also was a believer. And she thanked us for coming to China to share Jesus with the people. Our friends were stunned at what the woman was saying to us as she shared her story of faith. Later, our friends began to ask us questions about the Lord Jesus and they asked for a Bible that they may read it for themselves. After many questions and conversations and about a year or two later, our two friends also became followers of the Lord Jesus. Truly, it is the work of God as he touches people's lives and as he stirs within them a desire to know him more. Truly, it is the Lord who builds his church and we are the ones who are blessed if he invites us to share in this work of divine grace. In verse 24, we read these words. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Brothers and sisters, the call of the Lord is clear. Do you have a desire to follow the Lord wherever he may lead you? And I mean that. Do you have a desire to follow the Lord wherever he may lead? When I was praying many years ago about offering myself for service, I loved the tropics. And I was looking at all of the tropical areas where to serve and it was as if I was saying, Lord, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, but not the Antarctic, please. So he sent us to China, to Xi'an, where in winter it gets down to minus 10. Okay, I get the message. Okay, thank you, Lord. Wherever you want to lead me, I will go. All the Lord asks of you is to make a choice of what is of greatest importance in your life. Is your highest priority the accumulation of wealth, power, fame, possessions, and security? Or is your highest priority in life to follow the Lord and be obedient to whatever he may ask of you? In verse 26, the Lord put the challenge into perspective. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. It does kind of put it in perspective, doesn't it? Brothers and sisters, the Lord is building his church according to his word. What part are you prepared to play to be of use and benefit for him? Today, all around us, there are families, men, women and children who do not yet know the Lord and some of them even live in this street. 
They do not know his love and they do not know his mercy. They do not know how special they truly are to him. Like Peter, will you be a voice for the Lord? Like Paul in Acts 13, will you reach out to others that they may come to know and love him? As was evidenced in the early church in Acts chapter 4, will you give generously for the care and welfare of those within the church as well as for the extension of God's kingdom? As we close, let me again remind you of the words of the Lord Jesus in verse 26. For the Son of Man, that's one of the titles of Jesus, will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. God has a plan. He will build his church and when the days are completed he will return and gather his church to be in glory with him. This is our reward. This is our joy. And this is the fulfillment for which we were given this amazing gift we call life. God has a plan. Will you Allow yourself to be part of his plan. To him be all the glory. Let's pray.